Turn with me to Ephesians 6, verse 11 through 18. Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. Uh, two weeks ago, Tony, he spoke on the sword of the Spirit, which he thought uh, was going to put an end to that particular series on the armor of God. But tonight, we're going to continue on with that passage of Scripture. The Bible lists six pieces as the armor of God. But what I want to suggest to you tonight is that maybe the single greatest thing, everybody listen to this, maybe the single greatest thing we can do to win the daily battle against Satan, our enemy, is the scripture that actually follows after these six. So tonight we're going to mainly hang out on the first part of verse 18, but for context reasons, reading the whole armor of God, we'll start reading in verse 11. So here we are, Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to, to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I was particularly fond of that message. Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And here the first part of verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your wonderful love for us, God. We thank you for your word, Lord, that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, God. Bring your wisdom, bring your revelation, bring your discernment, bring your inspiration tonight. Convict our hearts, challenge us, take us to deeper places. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, anyone in the military, they will tell you that communication, if not the most essential key to victory, is very near the top of the list. If the enemy can take out the lines of communication between troops on the ground, satellite from above, radar from the seas, then it drastically ups his chances for victory. Our daily battle against Satan is no different. Satan is doing everything he can to cut the communication lines between us and the Lord. Now, we all know in here communication is a two-way street, right? Wives, nudge your husbands. <laughs> it takes two to tango. It takes two to communicate. When it comes to us and the Lord, the enemy has no power over our God. We know that. But he can work a major number on us in this area of communication. I'm using the word communication. So let me transition and say this one word that has met with all types of ideologies, judgments, preferences, convictions, doubts, stances, and really the list goes on and on and on. And that word is prayer. Everybody say it with me. Prayer. Say it again. Prayer. <laughs> Listen, if you want to throw an event at a church that you can guarantee that only four people will come to, throw a prayer meeting. 
I'm serious. I don't know what it is. People think we're all going to hold hands for an hour in a dimly lit room that smells like mothballs and recite the Lord's Prayer over and over. I don't know what it is, what people think is going to happen, but people will not come. Here's what I'm telling you. Prayer is just misunderstood by many of us in Christendom, and the devil loves it that way. He loves it that way. Because he knows that in many ways he has severed several different avenues of how the Lord would love people to be praying. He severed them. He's cut them off. They're disconnected. Now, recently a movie came out on, on DVD called Lone Survivor. I know most of you have probably heard of it. Uh, some of you have probably seen it. Uh, I really enjoy those type of movies. It's uh, about Operation Red Wing, and it's about four Navy SEALs. And the setting is in the mountains of Af- Afghanistan, a very remote area in Afghanistan. And so um, the objective here for these four Navy SEALs is when they're dropped off, they've got a few different checkpoints that they have to go to. And then at the last checkpoint, they kind of bunker down, and uh, they're close to a town where it's believed that some top-level uh, Taliban are. And so it's a reconnaissance mission. They're going to gather pictures, information, things like that. So when they get to this last checkpoint, they bunker down, and somehow, some way. Uh, I I guess you would label them Taliban uh, goat herders, if you will, stumble upon these Navy SEALs, and the Navy SEAL sees them. They tie them up. As you can imagine, goat herders probably aren't going to take down Navy SEALs. And uh, then the Navy SEALs are right in the middle of a fat, huge predicament and a big, big decision. Ethical decision, moral decision, rules of engagement decision. And the decision is this, do we let them go? and compromise the mission, or do we kill them? Those are your choices. So they decide to let them go, and of course they run down the mountain. I don't know how far away it is, but they go and tell all of their Taliban buddies who will soon be hot on their heels, but they let them go, and they know that the mission has been compromised, okay? The mission's been compromised, and so what their goal is at that point in time is to get to a different place to communicate back with base so the helicopter will come in and chopper them out. But there's one major problem. They can't communicate with base. They can't communicate with them. So they go from where they're at at this last checkpoint to the next mountaintop to the next mountaintop, wasting all of this energy just so they can pick up a signal on their satellite, their military cell phones, whatever it is, and they can't communicate to base. Therefore, the choppers don't come, and the rest of the movie unfolds. You'll have to watch it to get to the rest of it. Pretty interesting. But listen, this is what I'm telling you guys. Our life with the Lord is no different. What we have in that movie, there is the top of the line, most well-equipped, the best trained, the smartest that our U.S. military has to offer. They're over there in the remote mountains of Afghanistan. These guys from toe to head have on the full armor of everything they need, the best supplies that you can imagine, the greatest education, the greatest training, and they have one problem, it's communication, and they can't fulfill their mission. Guys, we can walk out every day with the full armor of God on, toe to head, ready to go. But if we're not closely connected with God in prayer, 
we're going to find ourselves in a lot of trouble, just like those Navy SEALs did. This is what I want to do for us tonight. Tonight I want to define what it means to pray, to pray, and then give us three facts about prayer that can hopefully provide a little bit of a paradigm shift when it comes to a life of prayer. Is that okay with you guys? All right, so here we go. To pray. This is what I'm defining. To pray tonight. This phrase, as I researched and, and, and looked this up, this is what to pray means. To interact with the Lord by switching human wishes or ideas for his wishes as he imparts faith or divine persuasion. Man, isn't that good? Let me read it again. To interact with the Lord by switching human wishes or ideas for his wishes as he imparts faith, his divine persuasion. Listen, what we can take away from this definition is that as we offer up prayers, as we offer up prayers from our vantage point, from the way in which we see things, God gives us faith that allows us to see it from his vantage point, which is not limited in any way. He gives us faith to see it from his vantage point, which is not limited in any way. It is so key to get this definition of what to pray means deep down into our soul. Okay, so to pray, this is what it means. I hope that you, that you write it down and remember that. So, so powerful. So the first point I want to talk to you tonight about is this. Prayer is not about a religious requirement. It's about a relational response. Prayer is not about a religious requirement. It's about a right, relational response. This can be a very, very challenging thought for a lot of us, though. Some of us had very little training and upbringing in what it is and, uh, to have a lifestyle of prayer, to be living a life of prayer with the Lord. And, but we have been taught different things. Uh, some of us uh, taught little nuggets here and there in the church. Some of us by our family. Um, maybe a lot of things culturally even that, uh, that we've been shown or demonstrated. Uh, some of those things, I made a little list here, is uh, things like this. You pray before you eat. You pray before you, you go to bed at night, by your bedside or, or in bed. You could possibly even pray in church depending on your upbringing, believe it or not. And you absolutely pray at the most majestic, most majestic spiritual place of all at sporting events. <laughs> I'll tell you guys a story. Nick and I and his brother, uh, and I think it was in 2007, we went to the NASCAR race here at Texas Motor Speedway. And let me tell you guys, I don't know if you've ever been to a NASCAR race, but there's 100,000 plus rednecks, man. And it is crazy. Okay, so I guess this day we were rednecks. I don't know what was going on. Uh, we wanted to see what NASCAR was like live. And so we get there early, of course, and, and we grab our seats. And um, we're enjoying the pre-race festivities, everything that's going on. And then this row of guy come, row of men come in behind us. And uh, as soon as they sit down, you can tell that they're just knocking back beer after beer after beer. And their language is just going further and further and further south. So the Lord's name in vain. It's vulgar. It's annoying, obviously. And Nick and I are just looking at each other like, oh, man, this is going to be like three and a half hours. Good thing is when they start the cars, you can't hear anything anyway. So uh, that, that's a plus. And so, but 
the thing about NASCAR is, is um, NASCAR, they'll, they'll do the national anthem, and then they will pray over the, uh, the loudspeakers, okay? And at NASCAR, at the end, they say, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we know this, and so it gets to that time, and uh, it's time to pray, and the guy comes over, and he starts praying, and I'm kind of looking back, because I'm just curious, like, what are these guys going to do during prayer? So he comes over the loudspeaker, and these guys, this row of guys behind us immediately bow their heads, close their eyes, put their hat over their hearts, and they start listening to this prayer, okay? It's a short prayer, obviously. And the guy gets to the end, and he says, in Jesus' name, lo and behold behind us, in Jesus' name, the guy says amen, and they say amen. And 15 seconds later, they're taking Jesus' name in all other sorts of ways. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, what is going on here? You know, what just happened? What did I just experience? But it's part of that cultural thing. You know, it's the things that, the little nuggets of things we've been shown about prayer. Maybe they're religious. Maybe you saw them in church. Maybe your parents just said, this is what you do. This is the way you pray before you eat. There's some things that we've been taught. But there's also... I know with me, there's these weird questions that, that linger inside of me about prayer. And I thought it would be pretty interesting slash funny to make a list of, of questions that kind of linger inside of me and that I hear from other people. Just see if you can identify with these, okay? So these are some questions about prayer. Don't I have to pray a certain amount each day? Do I have to say my prayer in a certain way or order? Do I have to be in a certain position? Is my list of prayers long enough? What name of the Lord are you really supposed to start with? Do my eyes have to be closed? Is the Lord's prayer the only prayer I need to pray? Do I, do I literally have to be in a closet? And last but definitely not least, don't I have to pray with the same amount of passion that Elder Nick does at Soma? <laughs> I'm serious, guys. Man, we can get weird when it comes. I know that these little things like this that come along and, the, and it's just inside of me. These questions, you know, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe you don't have any of those questions. Hopefully you can identify. But, man, we can get weird when it comes to prayer. Everybody say that with me. I'm weird. I'm weird. That's right. You are weird. <laughs> Here's the reality, guys. Prayer is about responding to God. Prayer is about responding to God. It's about interacting with him to gain his heart and wisdom. It's about interacting with him to gain his heart and wisdom. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. This is what it says. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? And you are not your own. Guys, let me give you just this little nugget of revelation here. In the old times, in the Old Testament, the, the temple was made of, of uh, brick and stone and various other materials. And it was something that you walked to with your feet to meet with the Lord, to get in his presence. Nowadays, in the New Testament, the temple is flesh and blood and bone of your body. And it, his spirit resides 
abides in, with, inside of you and you take it with you. You don't walk to it. You walk in it. You walk with it. That is the power of what Jesus did. The Holy Spirit now resides in you, his temple. Guys, it is about praying by your bed at night. It is about praying before you eat. It is about praying at church. But it's also turning off your radio in your car and getting with God. It's about not watching that show and instead going for a walk and getting with God. It's about walking through Walmart. Yes, I know. I always talk about Walmart. Not with judgment in your heart, but praying to God to see people set free. This is what I'm talking about. It's not about religious requirements. It's about relationally responding to a God who takes up residence inside of your soul. Listen, this is what Paul is talking about in this first part of verse 18. Wherever your feet take you while there is breath in your lungs can be a holy place of prayer. Wherever your feet take you, take you while there is breath in your lungs can be a holy place place of prayer. It is not about religious requirements. It's not about what's being been dictated to you or demonstrated to you. It's about responding to God. It's about interacting with him, laying who you are before him and letting his faith go down deep inside of you and taking it wherever you go with your feet and bringing the good news. Amen. Amen. It's not a religious requirement. It's a relational response. Second point is this. Prayer is not your preferences. It's God's purposes. Prayer is not your preferences. It's God's purposes. One of the largest hurdles in any believer's life is wondering why you, why a God who you believe to hear your prayers doesn't answer them. It's one of the largest hurdles to get over as a believer. A God who you believe to hear your prayers, why doesn't he answer them? Lord, I prayed hard. I prayed hard, God, for this job, this car, this house, this raise. And it hasn't happened or it didn't happen. Lord, I asked you for help. I asked you for help, God, with this issue, this struggle, this addiction, this relationship. And it hasn't happened. Or it didn't happen. Lord, I shed gallons of tears. Gallons of tears for the physical healing of my mom, my dad, brother, sister, my body, maybe my kids, and it hasn't happened, or it didn't happen. It's a major hurdle. Then what many of us have been told in this situation comes out of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. You can turn there if you want. You don't have to at all. I'm going to read it to you. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. 
and you will be familiar with it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, as I was putting this message together and researching and just before the Lord in prayer, trying to get a better understanding specifically to this point, because if we're honest with ourselves, it's pretty heavy, and we've all been there, right? We've all been in this place. Um, I felt the Lord really speak to me, and he boiled it down that this whole thing is it's really about trust. Do you trust God with fill-in-the-blank? Do you trust God with your life? Do you trust God with your marriage? Do you trust God with your job? Do you trust God with your kids? Do you trust God with your health? Do you trust him? And really what it's about as we're taught in this and as we deepen ourselves in this, it's about this. It's about saying, God, this is the way I see it. This is the way I want it. This is my desire. This is my supplication. This is what I'm asking of you. This is my vantage point of the situation. But regardless, everybody look at me. But regardless of all of that, not my preferences, not my will, but your will be done, Lord God. You know, what's really cool about the Christian faith is that we have a great role model and example in a lot of areas who went through a lot of trials and temptations that we go through and masterfully came out on the other side clean and without sin. And he went through this very same thing. The Bible records it in the 22nd chapter of Luke. You can turn there as well if you want. You don't have to read it to you. We'll start in verse 39, Luke 22, 39 through 43. This is Jesus in the garden. Many of you are familiar with this. This is what it says. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then I want you to pay special attention to verse 43, because I think so many times it can be overlooked. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Guys, know this, capture this, grasp this in your spirit tonight when it comes to this point of laying down your preferences. The ministry of the Lord will come to you and you will be strengthened to fulfill his purposes. The ministry of the Lord will come to you and you will be strengthened to fulfill his purposes. Guys, it doesn't matter what it is. 
Jesus was here right before us in the story in the most amazing agony that we can ever think of, sweating blood, literally. And even to Jesus, Father said, send down an angel, and he ministered to him. Let me tell you guys, as we trust in him, as we lay things down before him, and we don't take them back up, he will send his ministry to us. He will deepen us, and we will begin to lay hold of his purposes and lay down of our preferences. Amen? Prayer is not our preferences. It's God's purposes. The third thing is this. Prayer is not limited to where you are geographically. It's birthed out of where you are spiritually. Prayer is not limited to where you are geographically. It's birthed out of where you are spiritually. When I was in Bible school, we had an older missionary, he's pretty well known through the nations, uh, come and talk to us. And uh, I didn't know him, uh, but this is the way he started his teaching. He said, I was there in Russia during the Cold War. That was how he started my life. Man, pretty cool. He said, I was there in Cuba during the missile crisis. He said, I was even there during Roe v. Wade. At this point, you're like, dang, man, what does this guy really do? (laughs) He said, I was there when the Berlin Wall came down. I was there during the Gulf War when the first bullets were fired. I was there when the towers came down for 9-11. He said, oh no, young people, I've never been physically to any of those places. I was there spiritually. He said, I was there making intercession. He said, I was there praying in the spirit. Lord, here I, here, here's what's going down in Russia. God, will you advance your kingdom in Russia? Will you draw people unto you? Lord, here's what's happening in Roe v. v. Wade. It's awful. It's terrible. But Lord, will you advance your kingdom? Will you draw people unto you through this? Lord, War is happening all around us. But God, will you bring troops unto you? Will you bring generals unto you? Will you bring national leaders unto you, God? Will your goodness go forth and draw people unto repentance? May your miracles be seen in all of these places, in all of these situations, in all of these nations. God, will you show up there despite what man thinks in the natural? I'm going in the spiritual because you are a supernatural God. Everything you do, God, is miraculous. Everything you do, God, is supernatural. You You be there, God. I don't have to be there with my own feet. You go and be there, God, and change people's lives. It's called intercession. And it's for all of us. We're not limited to where we are geographically. We can be anywhere at any time making a difference. You know why? Because we, I want you guys to think about this. We lay natural prayers at his feet. Natural prayers by the Spirit laid at His feet. Every prayer we lay at His feet is absorbed, is taken in by a supernatural God. He doesn't absorb it. He doesn't take it in naturally. It's all through a miraculous filter. It's all supernatural. That is the way God interacts. This is what He can do. We're not limited, guys. 
It's not limited to where we are geographically. But it is birthed out of where we are spiritually. Your prayer life is birthed out of where you are spiritually. You know, that points to uh, an inventory of our life. And it's so good to even daily take inventory of where we're at with the Lord spiritually. And as I was writing this and putting this message together, I thought about myself and the questions I asked myself to gauge, man, where am I at with God? You guys ask yourself that? Where am I at with the Lord? Am I in a healthy place with God? Am I in a healthy, am I thriving? Guys, if we don't ask ourselves those questions, we need to daily. Am I thriving in my life? Am I close to God? Do I hear his voice? Am I listening to him? We have to take inventory. Here's the three questions that are specific to me, but I think you'll be able to identify with. This is the first one. What is my thought life like? What is my thought life like? What's rumbling around in my head during the during the day that people don't hear? It's rumbling around in my head during the day. People don't hear. I'm not just talking about lustful thoughts. That could be there. I'm talking about everything. What's going through your head? What are you engaging in in your thought life? You've heard it said many times that uh, the mind is the devil's playground. Take inventory. What's happening in your thought life every day? What's going on in between these two things right here? It's a good place to gauge your health, the Lord. Second thing is this. Am I willing to be fully accountable to someone with my life? Am I I willing to be fully accountable to someone with my life? Or when it gets down to it, I'm just not willing to go there. Guys, if you want to thrive, if you want to go deeper, if you want to embrace all that the Lord has, you have to be accountable, no exceptions. Everything on the table to someone. (coughs) Excuse me. You have to bring it before them. I'm not just talking about before the Lord, that's a given. I'm talking about with someone else. If you want to thrive in your walk with the Lord, You've got to walk it out with other people. I'm not, I'm not just saying parts of it. I'm talking about all of it. If you want a good gauge on where you're at spiritually, ask yourself, am I willing to lay my dark places, secret places before someone else? Let me tell you something. When you do that, you might think that it will disqualify you, disqualify you before the Lord and man, but the reality is, is it qualifies you. It qualifies you. The third question I ask myself is this. Am I viewing others in my life with judgment and opinion or with love and grace? Am I viewing others in my life with judgment and opinion or with love and grace? I tell you, it doesn't take me long, personally, to realize I'm way off base with Jesus as when I start casting judgment on his creation, on his people. Guys, That's not what we're here for. That's not what we're here for. It's not of our opinion, as if it matters. It's not about casting judgment. It's about loving people. 
It's about being gracious towards people. It's about being merciful towards people. It's about being a stepping stone in people's lives. It's about lifting people up. It's about encouraging them, inspiring them, strengthening them. This is what it's about. And I know I'm way, way off base with God when I walk through my life daily and I'm casting judgment. I think we can, a lot of us can identify with these three questions. Prayer is not limited to where we are geographically, but it is birthed out of where we are spiritually. And the interesting thing about prayer, guys, and you can go ahead and stand up. The interesting thing about prayer is to deepen that place of prayer. (laughs) You've got to start praying. (laughs) It's a process. And that's what we want. We want to lay our ideas, our ways, our thoughts, our desires down at his feet. And we want him to impart his faith for his ways, his desires, who he is, all that he is in us. I just want you to close your eyes. We're going to take four or five minutes. I want you just to go before the Lord and Just begin communicating with him. Take inventory on your life. Ask the Lord, God, am I in a healthy place? God, am I thriving in my life? Bring your prayers before him. If you have a desire to go into a deeper place of prayer, to learn more about prayer, to be an intercessor, for that trust to be deepened in you so that it's not your preferences, but his purposes. Take all of that before him. So I want to give you a few minutes to do that.